I do see there's a huge mismatch between what people think they need and what people actually need. And that's the biggest problem is the skills mismatch. The average solutions architect certification is about 20 hours. Our program has well over 700 hours in it. Welcome to Altitude, the unsung heroes of cloud transformation, a podcast by Aviatrix. Today, more and more enterprises are moving their business up to the clouds as the race to innovate continues. In this multi-cloud world, IT leaders and teams find themselves behind the wheel where they are confronted with both new challenges and new opportunities. On Altitude, we explore the voices and stories of the people who are overcoming these challenges every day to drive their business to the next level. Be sure to subscribe on your preferred listening app and stay tuned for this episode. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Altitude. Of course, I am Woody. We have an awesome show today. It's going to be a roundtable uh, with two distinguished guests. So we are joined today by Alonzo Coleman, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of GoCloud Careers, and Mike Gibbs, the founder and CEO of GoCloud Careers. And we are going to spend today talking about skills gap, which is a really important topic in our industry today. And gentlemen, welcome to the show. Pleasure to have us. Thank you. So nice to be here today. So this topic is really prescient because my company, Aviatrix, just completed a large industry survey about cloud trends and the different things that cloud professionals across all walks of life were experiencing as they moved and worked in the cloud. And one of the big topics that came out was skills gap. In fact, 45%, closer to 46% of respondents said that their number one barrier to entry was skills gap. And in some ways, this is understandable because cloud is a big multi-headed beast. It's very complicated and it's very different than the data center. But on the other side of the coin, cloud has been around now for a while, as we were talking just before the show. I mean, cloud has definitely been a thing in the mind of enterprise for at least five or six years and for some much longer. I'm curious as to why skills gap is still out there as a barrier to entry. So that's my first question. What factors do you think are leading to enterprise still hungry for training? I can cover this because we've seen it. I didn't intend to start this company. I did it because I felt I had no choice. What happened was my friend's father said, Mike, can you train my kid like you've trained so many thousands of others over the years? And I said, sure. And, you know, I helped create some of these clouds years ago. And I've been working on various clouds since 1996. And what I did is I said to the father and the son that I had spent four hours with them every Friday and that I was going to buy him the three best-selling AWS certification courses that were out there. And what happened is after three days, the fine young man comes to me and he said, Mike, I set up an S3 bucket and I even set up an EC2 instance, but what are they? So I couldn't believe the issue would be that so bad. And then I watched the training and here's what it was the name of a service, which was really just a data center service with a fancy name, and how to configure that service. But there was no content as to what is the technology, how does the technology work, why would you leverage the technology? In fact, most of the certifications that were out there were teaching everything that you don't need to know for the job. So I then interviewed 1,000 AWS certified people, and I even asked them, what is cloud computing? And only two could even answer that. I asked them, what is that S3 bucket? And they didn't know. And then I asked them, what is object storage? And they had no idea. I asked them, what is a virtual machine? And they didn't know. So what's going on is the training is focused on getting people to pass exams. And it has nothing to do with the skills. The second side of it is the skills that are in certifications, no matter what the certification or intro level. And what I mean by that is, how do you configure something? What employers want are people with judgment. 
and people with wisdom. Even the CCIE certification, which I did my number 7417, I'd say is intra-level. Intra that was kind of the admission to the party. And after that, I got to learn for the next 25 years. So the certifications only cover the tech piece and they don't necessarily cover how the tech works or the design, only the basic implementations. The second problem we have is these are the skills that employers really need, especially in bigger tech roles. They need people that can communicate. They need people that can lead. They need people that can understand the business. They need people that can sell. They need people that can manage stakeholders and manage vendors. And none of this is covered in training, except for the training we provide. And that's the big skills gap. Lonzo speaks with people all day long, and I'm sure can add to that as well. Absolutely, Mike. I think what uh, the training is critical for, for success. Uh, the fundamentals is key because everyone is in a rush to uh, get what has been uh, increasingly valued is the certification. However, the certifications do not align with how do you sync up the network? What does the network do? Why is the network so important? It just focuses on those services that hyperscalers and other uh, certified-based organizations covered. And let's, let's look at it also from the business side as well. It's not just about the tech. It's about you being able to understand strategically how this tech is going to be utilized for the needs of the business. The business is, it needs to be driven forward. So it's not about you getting the latest and greatest tech. And even if you did grab it, are you going to be efficient with it? Do you understand what's going to be the differentiators that can really give you the inches to the end zone to ensure that your company is successful and meets the, uh, the needs that they need to, like, let's say, cost efficiency, FinOps, and so forth, security measures? Are you implementing the right things? Do you know what to look for and why and how? So that's what we do at Gold Cloud Careers is making sure that they understand both sides of the coin and knowing that that's going to be needed for them to have a great career. Wow. So there's a lot of different things that I heard in your answer that I think are important to tease out. I'll tease out two. One is that although the CSPs, cloud service providers, you know, the big ones, Amazon, GCP, Azure, uh, Oracle, et cetera, they are putting a lot of money and effort into these certification classes. And I've taken some and they're, they are tough and difficult and they're full of important things. But that fundamentally, cloud requires a different approach to business and a different, perhaps, approach to collaboration. And that's part of what these tests are missing, right? Is that it's, it's an ability to, to work together in a new environment? It's two things. The cloud certifications don't even teach the fundamentals. They teach the name of an imaginary service, which is a marketing term, and how to configure it. But they don't teach how the technology works. For example, if I want to architect a network, and I take an AWS Advanced Networking course, it doesn't cover BGP. It doesn't cover SD-WAN or SASE. It doesn't cover a routing. Now, when I need to hire a professional on my team, I need them to understand BGP if they're going to be on the networking side. I need them to understand how to load share without getting out of order packets. I need them to understand how to traffic engineer. I need them to understand how to summarize routes, where and when to make the network scale. None of that's covered in any of these certifications. What's covered is, is basically, here's the name of a transit gateway and here's how to click it. But that's junior level technician. Even at the advanced levels, they're just not covering anything. So to put it into context, my CCIA certification was reading about 75,000 pages to pass it. And AWS Solutions Architect Professional can be covered in 500 pages. And we've done that with the free book we give away. So when you're looking at certifications like a CCIE or a CISSP, you're talking about getting your fundamentals there. These certifications are quite simply 
the name of a service and how to configure that. And we can see it in the results of cloud transformation projects. CIO Magazine recently posted that over 50% of cloud transformations fail to deliver any business value whatsoever. It's not the cloud's fault. The cloud is wonderful. It's the training that's being provided out there is junior level technician work. And we need experts. We need people that understand it. Now, the business piece is also critical, which is not covered in any certification. So if an architect out there, like a cloud architect or solutions architect or an enterprise architect, is going to drive transformation for our, our clients, it means understanding the executives and their goals, understanding the vision for the business, understanding how the business operates today and how we want the business to operate in the future. None of that is covered in a certification. So here's... A question that for networking folks has always been kind of a hot topic, hot button topic. Do mm. you think that the Cisco networking program, the CCNA, CCIE, is still valuable for people that want a career in cloud networking? Well, I think they have to. To me, the CCNA is very junior level. The CCNP is you're starting to know something. And the CCIE, to me, I would say was my introduction to networking. It took me about six months when I started networking to pass the CCNA, CCNP, CCIE. When I finished the CCNA, I thought I knew networking. As I completed the CCNP, I realized there was more to networking than I knew. And as soon as I finished the CCIE, it was like, wow, there's so much to learn. So I actually still like the CCNP and the CCIE. You know, there's a good aviatric certification they could mix on top of that for cloud networking people, which would Absolutely. look good. But you know, there's a lot more in a 75,000 page CCIE than in any of these other certifications. So plus, you know, with the cloud repatriation we see going on, we're going to see a lot more private clouds and data centers being built up. So I don't think you can work in networking unless you understand networking. And I don't care if you have a certification, but at minimum, someone needs to understand IP addressing, subnetting, supernetting, address planning. They need to understand switching concepts, whether they be spanning tree, rapid spanning tree, VLANs, VLAN tagging, VLAN trunking. And that's going to be covered in a CCIE, potentially some of it in a CCNP. Or they can learn them on their own by reading all the RFCs that are out there and reading <laughs> some really good books that are out there. I don't really care how they get it, but they're going to need at minimum that CCNP to CCIE level knowledge to be effective. Absolutely. Yeah. What kinds of trends have you seen in your program in terms of the kinds of content that your students and participants are asking for? Is it has it been the same over the last five to six years? Has it changed? How has your curriculum advanced to kind of keep pace with the demands of the industry? Well, we've done a few other things. We obviously cover the critical non-technical skills such as executive presence and CXO relevancy and leadership strategy and sales strategy and um, stakeholder management strategy and all those non-tech pieces, which is why our students get hired. We've also integrated for about the last year and a half a fair amount of artificial intelligence. But we knew there was a major flaw out there. We've seen in most of the other training programs, they literally occur, had nothing related to the cloud architect role, which is what we trained for, or the enterprise architect role or the solution architect. So we had to create it all from work we did as architects for the last few decades. I do see there's a huge mismatch between what people think they need and what people actually need. And that's the biggest problem is the skills mismatch. People seem to think they're going to become a cloud architect by learning DevOps and learning SysOps or automation and learning cloud development. And then someone says, look, our weighted average cost of capital is 7.25%. Can you calculate whether we should run a private cloud versus a public cloud? And the person doesn't even know where to begin. Or you ask someone to design high availability and they don't understand that a single cloud has a single control plane and a single network. So no matter what fails, the whole cloud can go down. 
So what we did is the average solutions architect certification is about 20 hours. Our program has well over 700 hours in it. Wow. And certifications are basically 20 hours of the rest of the 700 hours. So there's that. But we find most people think they're going to be a techie to be an architect and don't understand the companies are looking for an executive. So we've made the program what our employers are asking for. And we've spoken to numerous employers. We speak to hiring managers and recruiters and ask what they're hearing from their people. So we constantly adapt our program based upon what the market demands, not what the students demand. Because unfortunately, most people don't know what they need. And I feel horrible saying that, but they don't know. They look at a job description, (laughs) which covers 15 different careers, which is not what the employer looks like. In fact, I actually just recorded with a a tech recruiter that I I respect a video on why job descriptions have almost become meaningless. So I think there's a lack of understanding on the cloud. It's just somebody else's network and a data center that's running to you. That's it. Yeah. We strip off these ridiculous names, whether it's a virtual machine or an AWS EC2 instance or a Google Compute Engine instance. It's the same. So we focus on what is the tech? How does the tech work? Why do we use it? How do we design it? And then how do we influence our clients to sell it? And how do we drive transformation out of the tech as a, by a business-first approach as opposed to a tech-first approach, which just basically spends money and often doesn't do anything to benefit our client? Hmm. What about multi-cloud? Obviously, multi-cloud has been a thing for a while. I think everyone in the industry agrees multi-cloud adoption is growing. I've said this on the show before, but I think Gartner puts multi-cloud adoption at around 87%, yep. meaning that... If you're a business and enterprise, you at least have one workload in multiple clouds, maybe two, maybe three. Are you seeing that there are additional challenges in training and skilling with a multi-cloud shop? Yes and no. And I'll explain what I mean by yes and no. If the person truly understands the network and data center, they understand all clouds. It's nothing. But if they only got certified and they're like, they learn the names of a service and how to configure that, but they don't learn what it is and how the tech works, they have no idea where to begin. They take a certification and it puts them towards proprietary things. They don't know. For example, in multi-cloud, don't use DynamoDB for AWS. Don't use Amazon Aurora. So in the end, we get a more industrial-grade service that runs across all clouds. And all we need is IP connectivity. And that's real simple for those people that have been in networking for the last 30 years. That's nothing. And people that understand the data center, we've been running data centers all over the country and globe forever. So it's really the same thing to connect two clouds unless we adopt proprietary services, and that's where things get bad. And Oracle's data is 98% right now is multi-cloud. So we're kind of in an environment where it's all going to be multi-cloud. We knew it had yeah. to be. But we're gonna, I think we see more hybrid clouds due to the better performance and lower cost as well mixed in with these cl- multi-clouds, to make more hybrid multi-cloud. Yeah, I think you made some really good points. Being able to linchpin uh, marketing along with the cloud and understanding that a lot of people think that the CSPs are totally three different clouds when they're services. And it's just really scary to understand that when people want to jump in, that that valuation, I keep underscoring it, there's been so much emphasis on the certifications to get them. And you have this track of a lot of cloud service providers, you have to do this to get that. And it's just a link and chain of continuous training that has nothing to do with the cloud. And that is the funny joke um, about is that those roles that we see out there, you have to have 600 years of this and ridiculous amounts of that uh, uh, training when you don't even need it at all. So we try to make sure that when people coming into the door they understand what the terminology is and what cloud services are and what a cloud architect actually does. 
so that they know the pipeline of what their training consists of. It's a good answer. It's very true. I, I, I completely agree. It really is, at the end of the day, more about what you know and can you do the job. Yes, that's what we say all the time. The certifications might get you in the door to your first interview, but frankly, yep. people that are hiring and looking for real talent are not so interested in whether or not you've completed these certification courses. They just exactly. want to know, can you, can you perform? It's kind of a catch-22. The, the, the CSP certifications, they're good for general knowledge, but then you do have to look outside of those programs to really learn how to apply that knowledge successfully in, yes. in, you know, in a business context. Uh, and, and those skills can be very difficult to get. Yeah, I, I can see people just feeling kind of stuck, like they take all these certifications and then it doesn't doesn't really help them, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> interesting in my in the survey that Aviatrix did, one of the data points that came out was that cloud certifications only led to an increase in salary 26% of the time, which, mm, yeah. you know. If you think about the data, I mean, that's great that 26% of those people got a raise because they did a certification, but then the vast majority of them, it, it didn't really help them in their career track. So obviously there's additional stuff that they need. It's interesting. So I've interviewed thousands of employers and hiring managers over the years, and I asked them, what do they care about of the perfect employee? In fact, when I transitioned from internal medicine to tech 25 years ago, I got six certifications and nobody cared. So what I actually did is I went out there and I asked recruiters all over the country and I said, what do people want in the perfect network architect? And here's what they told me. They said, someone that can do the job and do it well, meaning very competent. They said, someone that can communicate well, because without good communication, errors are going to occur and we're going to have relationship problems. They said, people that we can trust. And they said, you'll see. When you start interviewing people, 99% of people will lie to you about something on your resume and you can't hire them. Then they said, people that, know what they know and know what they don't know to make uh, so they don't make major mistakes that, due to sloppiness or carelessness or lack of understanding their capabilities. Then they said energy, enthusiasm, and passion. They said emotional intelligence. They said the willingness to go above and beyond. Now, 26% of people are getting a raise from a certification. I'm surprised it's actually that high. The reason we do things differently is if you look at the statistics with people who have strong business acumen, they typically earn $558,000 a year. So no matter what we do in every program, we put large amounts of business acumen. The best predictor of someone's career success has nothing to do with their certifications. It has, it has, it's actually their emotional intelligence. So we do a lot of training there. So you've got people thinking certification, certifications, but the employer knows. They're about the how-to, but they're not about the why. Yeah. And I like to say this because I come from a healthcare background. If somebody tell me, Mike, give the blue pill. Give the red pill. Here's how to administer the yellow pill, but they didn't teach me how to diagnose the patient, figure out what was going wrong, and figuring out how the body worked. And I was just handing out pills. That's like a certification. Here, get excited about serverless. Oh, it's really cool. It's really cool. You got to use it. Get excited about this. But if you don't know what it is or how it works, yeah. you're kind of like just no different than a doctor just pushing pills without even interviewing the client or seeing what's wrong with them. Yeah. So back to multi cloud for a little bit. I, I agree with everything you said. I think businesses start getting hit with multiple challenges and it becomes more difficult for them when they decide to consume cloud native services across a multi-cloud diaspora. And what I mean by that is they have learned that lifting and shifting things from the data center can work and it can give you this good contiguous security surface or networking surface, you know, uh, across multiple clouds or even a single cloud, but that 
you fall prey to outages, you fall prey to cost overruns, you fall prey to uh, lack of agility. Because these platforms, while they are awesome in the data center, um, still struggle in cloud because fundamentally they weren't designed for cloud. So if you look at traditional firewalls, the brain of that firewall doesn't know it's in a cloud. It's looking for wires, right? right? So in terms of the way that you provision it, the way you orchestrate it, the way that you scale it, it's a bit of a square peg. So they're saying, okay, what I've got to do to hit critical mass in cloud, to hit agility so I can keep up with my application teams is go for cloud native services because they're managed and you can automate them and you can build them into your CICD pipelines. But then they find out that these cloud services, when they're looking for similarities, they can't find them. So that the output of these services, the data output is different. The diagnostic output is different. The troubleshooting output is different. And then they start tearing their hair out. They say, we're supposed to be more agile when I go cloud native, but now I'm running into a whole another can of worms, which is how to do day two on this stuff. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, again, it's the architecture that people are choosing. If I do Kubernetes and host my virtual ma my Kubernetes containers on virtual machines and use Kubernetes as an orchestration management platform, it doesn't matter how many clouds I'm in. Right. If I want a, a good firewall, I'm going to use a next generation firewall and it's going to look and inspect packets no matter where it's at. And if I use the same Palo Alto firewall in three clouds, I don't have that problem. You know, it's really all in the architecture. Hmm. If people choose to use a proprietary service, they're inviting problems. Yes. They just are. So, you know, get rid of the Elastic Compute service. Swap it out with the Kubernetes environment that's run across three clouds. You, you don't have that problem anymore. So it's the architectural choices, which are typically driven by, you know, the, what do you call it? The uh, certifications. Use this, use this, use this. There's a reason that Amazon Prime went off of a, uh, off of a serverless environment and back onto a virtual machine. Because serverless is great. Cloud native is great for some of these systems that don't run a lot. But when we have to invoke a serverless function, not only do we have the latency associated with it, but it gets too expensive if we're using it all the time. So it's the, actually the architects that are designing it. It's the networking problem that we're running into again. Mm. There's very few people in the world that actually understand networking. And once we go multi-cloud, it's no longer a software developer's game. It's a networking per professional's game. And either you hire the right networking people or you have to use a SASE solution. I don't see it as a challenge. I really don't. I've been doing multi-cloud networking forever, but you have to understand the underlying technology and that's where the gap is. If people don't understand what the tech is and how the tech works under the hood and all they start using is using proprietary services, they're going to run into a big problem. But if they know how to architect it in the first place, it'll be much simpler to manage. What about automation? That's been a hot topic, especially for cloud infrastructure last year and I think continuing into this year. You know, these terms have emerged recently or at least I've become aware of them recently, which is dev NetOps and dev SecOps. The idea that to really hit your stride in cloud, you need to begin to automate infrastructure things, your security, your networking, so that you can fuse those elements, those capabilities into your CICD pipeline. So that when your application is born, that it has the right networking know-how and right security know-how alongside of it, as opposed to the application coming first and then the infrastructure people scrambling, you know, to to kind of make amends after this unknown creature shows up in, in the environment. Uh, do you see a lot of trends heading that way where employers are asking for automation or people in the industry are saying, you know, we really want our infrastructure folks skilled up on automation now? 
Yes, I do see, you know, network engineering people starting to get skilled up on infrastructure as code and pushing things to the config via APIs versus the command line. I do see it. You got to understand, at least from my perspective, how deep the networking knowledge needs to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we ask a lot of developers, you know, and run architecture challenges. And a lot of developers don't know what a CPU core is or how the servers are even architected. I mean, many of them because they're focused on code and that's fine. I know many network engineers that couldn't write a script or a Python script to save their lives. And they're some of the best network engineers that I need. So now you're going to ask someone to come from two domains and try and do it together and expect anything good out of it. I don't see it. And when I speak to DevSecOps people, they don't seem to know security. They know DevOps, they don't need security. And when I speak to really good networking people, the best of the best, most of them know nothing about coding. They know networking. So what we're doing is creating a new jack of all trades that I think is going to cause just as many problems as before. But I do love what's going on behind the scenes. Behind the scenes, what's driving all this is, look, we need one person that owns everything from technology to map that technology in order to the business's needs. And then start get, breaking down those barriers of all these individual teams and getting them more closer together. That, I think, will work long term. But it's a manager of developing the right culture, getting the right people. Right. And I think some of the automation is changing. A lot of the automation can now be done with AI. We don't have programmers. When we write a, well, need a program or a script, we use artificial intelligence to generate it. It's pretty simple to do. So, you know, we're going to start putting more AI on the firewalls and make them more adaptable. We'll put more AI on the network, especially with SDN and software-defined networking and SASE platforms, and we'll promote a better, more optimal routing that'll be more dynamic on demand. So, yes, I see a lot of automation, but I also see, you know, if we're, if we're automating things that we're already doing wrong, we're actually going to make it worse. Yeah. So I see automation as a double-edged sword. We have to have the right people that understand what they're doing. And then we're going to have to turn these DevOps and DevSecOps teams into better teams where we have real security architects mad, married to the DevOps engineers and they can work together. Right. So we're not creating one person that's both a physician and an attorney and an airplane pilot that are going to be bad at all three, which is the equivalent of when we create some of these teams. Right. I, I completely agree. Yeah. And I think something critical as well is that this, to me, is a perishable skill. You have to constantly stay trained up in these departments, especially with networking. No one is ever going to know everything, but making sure that everyone, time over time, is consistently fortifying their skill set and bringing people on to help others grow and learn so that the entire team is invested as well as uh, competent in the networking is what's going to be important. Again, certifications have their place, but a lot over time and over competency, they're going to understand their environment. They're going to understand what to look for, uh, keeping their fingers on the pulse of how security is being run and, and, and if things are not looking the way they would, as opposed to someone, although competent, maybe new to the environment, Having that constant training and that co constant competency that certifications don't have is what is going to uh, minimize all of these outages, minimize a lot of this waste and overall technical debt that these organizations are, are continually accumulating. So last question, how do you think AI is going to change hmm. our <laughs> approach to, to skills gap? What kind of skills do you think professionals should begin to curate and develop now that AI is looking more and more promising in terms of doing the bulk of the hard stuff, like you said, like the coding, the automation? You know, it's funny you brought this up, and we've been writing magazine articles and creating visions of videos about this for the last year. A year and a half ago, we had a cloud engineering program. We stopped it. We stopped selling it about a year and a half ago 
because we didn't want to sell any more engineering courses. We want people to focus exclusively on architecture or sales or things that have people requirements. We're here because organizations want to improve their business performance and they need us to figure out how to optimize their business and what technology can get them there. Now, engineering jobs, specifically coding jobs, unfortunately, we see artificial intelligence taking them away. I don't need to hire somebody to write a Python script. I can use AI for it. And I can reallocate those financial resources into things that are going to drive more transformation for my business. We're very concerned about the careers of programmers. We're very concerned about the careers of, say, the cloud engineers out there and the hands-on engineers because we see an environment where there's more and more and more and more architect jobs. Each new technology is a tool for the architects to transfer them to business. But these hands-on roles, like a blogger, a tech writer, a programmer, the bottom 40%, we're very concerned from them. So we, our advice that we've been giving is either move into an architecture role or a customer-facing role, or if you are an engineer focused on being the best engineer you can, develop your communication skills, their leadership skills, their emotional intelligence, their executive presence. And that way, when there's a cut in the engineering department, they can move into a sales engineer role or a solution architect role, and they'll always have jobs. And that's why we only have architecture careers, and we won't even... We got rid of our engineering course because I don't want to sell and train people for a career that I think is the career of the past versus the career of the future. I, I think that you might want to triple that, uh, Mike, because let's talk about the business set. You know, a lot of our, yeah. our esteemed engineers, programmers, developers, they spend more time on the command line than they do customer facing. So understanding the nuances of emotional intelligence, CXO relevance, uh, soft skills, uh, being able to understand how to read the room, be able to effectively communicate what the thought processes are, ideas, challenges, and so forth in a way that CEOs, CTOs, CIOs understand, and they're able to uh, apply business strategies towards mitigating risk, uh, moving the needle towards their overall goals. And that takes uh, more time overlapping the cloud architectural uh, roles. And, and that's why you see a shift of a lot of what we have, uh, a lot of engineers coming in and saying, I want to move over to the cloud architect role. I understand what's going on in the industry. I understand uh, ultimately the salary gap that they have as well. And knowing what it takes that they say, I'm not comfortable being in front of business leaders. I'm not comfortable understanding weighted average cost of capital, understanding RFPs, RFQs, RFIs, being able to sort it all out and, and knowing that the business strategy is leading what they want you here in the first place. And they say, okay, I need to go to, to us, find out what, I, what my skills gap is and being able to fill that in to become a cloud architect. Having the tech is great, but making sure that you have the business side is critical. Fantastic answers. Gentlemen, this has been so enlightening. Thank you so much for spending time with me and letting our listeners know all about what's going on with Skills Gap in the industry. For those that are listening, make sure you check out Go Cloud Careers. It sounds like a phenomenal training outfit and uh, will definitely help prepare you for the future. Alonzo and Mike, appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. It's so nice to be with you. You bet.